lecture ten part three of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture ten on prayer part three there are so many valuable manuals on the method of meditation that it will be unnecessary here to say more on the subject those who are still novices in interior prayer who have not yet mortified the restlessness of their interior faculties into tranquillity who are still much engaged with the senses and with sensual things who have not yet gained much control over the imagination of sensible things these will often require the help of a book to steady their attention and when their meditative faculties are dull and refuse to act they should have recourse to aspirations an exercise of prayer that is always easy one thing should be especially avoided that is the converting of meditations into a study as though it were a literary exercise this snare should be shunned most carefully it not only destroys the childlike simplicity of prayer but takes the mind from god the true object and end of prayer and occupies us with the vanities of self-love but where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty two corinthians chapter three verse seventeen the holy spirit is the mover of prayer and though every one should learn a good method of meditation yet to tie the soul always to that method in all its rules would not only injure freedom but cause the soul to lose the touch and attraction of the holy spirit no one thinks of putting all the rules of grammar into every letter that he writes no one thinks of putting all the rules of rhetoric into every discourse that he delivers his production would be a chained-up folly rules are of value when required not when out of place those who look more to rules than to the spirit of prayer are the pedants of prayer they will never make much progress in this holy exercise when one point in the meditation fills the soul with light and brings us to the divine end of prayer why leave the end of prayer already gained to go in search of another point this is to go backwards instead of forwards and will only bring distraction when the soul is ardently moved to aspirations in the sight of god she has reached the essence of prayer why return from this pure prayer to the things of imagination this is to come down from spiritual to visual things and from the fervour of prayer to its first beginnings when meditation raises the soul to contemplation to abandon that contemplation for the sake of obeying the rules of meditation is like descending the steps of jacob's ladder for no other object than to endeavour to reascend it is to come down from the mountain of light into the valley of shadows a little of that pure and serene light will do more to teach us the knowledge of god and of self than all that can be seen through the shadows of the imagination the holy spirit is the true teacher of prayer and the liberty of prayer consists in freely following the divine attraction which always leads to greater simplicity humility love
patience and union with god commit thy way to the lord and trust in him be subject to the lord and pray to him psalm thirty six verses five through seven the work of justice shall be peace and the service of justice quietness and security for ever isaiah chapter thirty two verse seventeen it is very important for the peace of the soul in prayer to remember that present consolation is not the essential answer to prayer and that its greatest effects are obtainable without sensible consolation the answer to prayer is not always felt at the time or even given at the time and its greatest fruits are laid up in eternity contemplation rises above the senses above the imagination above all processes of the reasoning powers collected within herself the soul rises above herself and with a simple view beholds though darkly as through a glass some manifestation of the beauty goodness and greatness of god which deepens her sense of god and affects her with wonder admiration and love giving her some foretaste of blessedness sometimes however this contemplation is very obscure and the presence and goodness of god are felt as it were through thick darkness rather than seen in open light it gives to the humble and adoring soul either great light and refreshment or a secret sense of god according as it is luminous or obscure but in the latter case it gives us a more humiliating knowledge of ourselves the holy psalmist describes the divine source of contemplation in these words with thee is the fountain of life and in thy light we shall see light psalm thirty five verse ten and he aspirates his gratitude for the gift in these words the light of thy countenance o lord is sealed upon us thou hast given gladness to my heart psalm four verse seven the acts of contemplation are four to seek after god to find him to feel his sacred touch in the soul and to be united with him and enjoy him st paul has expressed all this in a certain way in his discourse to the athenians that they should seek god if haply they may feel after him or find him although he be not far from every one of us for in him we live and move and have our being acts chapter seventeen verses twenty seven and twenty eight we seek after him with our mind feel after him with our spirit find him when the light of his countenance shines upon us and the sense of his goodness penetrates our heart and have our life and movement in him when we love him with our whole heart soul and strength we know that we have our being in him when he gives us the light to see that he is all things to us and that we are nothing in ourselves wherefore the psalmist says seek ye the lord and be strengthened seek his face evermore psalm 104 verse 4 he must be sought evermore says st gregory because he must be loved evermore to contemplate 
is to be on the mountain of revelations with moses or on the mountain of transfiguration with the three chosen apostles or at the feet of jesus with mary magdalene it demands an abstraction for the time at least from mortal cares and solicitudes it not only calls for a mortified body but for a mortified spirit that the interior powers may be collected may become serene and peaceful and the soul arise above all that is not god hence the active life and the combat with nature precede the gift of contemplation contemplation says st gregory is a sepulchre in which all depraved works and things of this world are buried together with the contumelies of the body and the petulance of the imagination whilst the spirit ascends by a holy operation to behold the things of god for you are dead that is to yourself and your life is hidden with christ in god the same great pontiff and doctor in another place draws this distinction between the two kinds of life which god allots to those who serve him almighty god in his holy word instructs his servants in two kinds of life the active and the contemplative the active life feeds the hungry instructs the ignorant and corrects the erring brings back the proud into the way of humility has care of the infirm and provides subsistence for those who are dependent on us the contemplative life maintains the love of god and of our neighbour with the whole mind and heart but rests in peace from extreme activity and adheres to the one desire of god alone casting away all other cares the soul burns with the desire of seeing the face of her creator knowing with grief that she bears the load of her corruptible body she thinks with ardent desires how she may be present among the angelic choirs and with the heavenly citizens there to enjoy the vision of her incorruptible creator for evermore yet she can only obtain the sight of god's beauty in a certain measure but a hand's breadth as it were for with whatever love she may be enkindled with whatever strength she may tend towards god she is so far from perfectly seeing what she loves that in this life she only begins to see as the strenuous apostle says we see now through a glass in a dark manner but then face to face now i know in part but then i shall know even as i am known one corinthians chapter thirteen verse twelve to continue the celebrated instruction of st gregory in contemplation the mind strives to rise above the man and stretches forward unto spiritual things endeavouring to transcend what is visible to the senses and to reach what is celestial thus the spirit is drawn upwards that it may expand upon things divine at times the spirit conquers and soars above the contentious darkness with which at other times it is blinded and the soul is secretly and slightly touched by something from the incomprehensible light of god but by reason of her infirmity she soon returns from that wonderful light and falls back upon her darkness anew 
there to sigh in her obscuration it should however be plainly understood that no one can advance so far in contemplation as to penetrate even to one single ray of god's incomprehensible light the almighty cannot be seen in his brightness what is seen is something beneath god but it greatly refreshes the soul whilst the glorious vision of god is reserved for the world to come saint gregory himself is one of the greatest examples of the union of the contemplative with the active life whilst governing the universal church with vigorous energy he never abandoned that gift of contemplation which gave light and force to all his active works it is the privilege of saints and holy persons when called to the duties of the active life to keep always within them a cell of quiet recollection into which god alone is allowed to enter and being faithful to detachment as well as to recollection they are able to put aside external things in the tranquil hour devoted to contemplation the spirit of which continues with them amidst the most energetic employments this saint gregory himself observes in the same discourse be it known that as the good order of life tends from action to contemplation it is also often useful to transform contemplation into action that what contemplation enkindles in the soul may come forth in the active duties of life to make them more perfect to understand the conduct of the soul in contemplation it must be clearly comprehended how much depends on the conduct of the will for although the mind is the medium and as it were the mirror in which we see it is the will as st thomas remarks that moves and elevates the mind and holds it firm and steadfast to the object of contemplation hence the great authorities on this kind of prayer insist that the fortitude of the will is the moral foundation of contemplation the spiritual appetite is the spring that moves the desire of contemplating the divine beauty of truth but what awakens the appetite is the love and desire of beholding and feeling the beautiful things of god as our divine lord teaches us where thy treasure is there is thy heart also st matthew chapter six verse twenty one hence contemplation begins with love and ends in greater love all pious souls are not called to contemplation but it is open nevertheless to every state of life to the poor as much as to the well provided to the simple as well as to the learned nay the simple are often better disposed for this holy exercise than the learned because of their singleness of mind and simplicity of heart most of the great writers on the subject have observed that the lovers of learning are often too curious too much devoted to reasoning and too fond of wandering through the regions of human knowledge to be well disposed for interior recollection and for the simple childlike contemplation of eternal truth however profoundly it would enlighten them yet not only among the servants of the altar 
and among those devoted to religion observes saint gregory but even in the married life some are found who receive this precious gift but those who are by nature restless and unquiet or who have not subdued their spirit by interior mortification or who have not brought themselves into habits of recollection are unfit for this kind of prayer again as holy job tells us wisdom is not to be found by him who knoweth not the price thereof neither is it to be found in the land of them who live in delights job chapter twenty eight verses twelve and thirteen the man who receives the light of contemplation has his heart within him he is not immoderately taken up with external things that light cannot be infused into the things of the senses nor can it enter into those corporal images that fill the imagination it is the spiritual light of spiritual things known only to spirits whoever desires this light should have great care to keep the soul in a state of humility and should never suffer the soul to be elated over the grace received that light enters obliquely as it were through the window of the mind but the thief should not be allowed to enter after it for true contemplation keeps down the sense of self and the spirit of selfishness as well the divine truth enters through the window of the mind but the boastings of elation should be kept out the window of contemplation admits light but excludes the storm it opens to the entrance of grace but is closed against the admission of pride we say nothing here respecting those rare and extraordinary gifts of contemplation to which no one should have the presumption to aspire they come of some wonderful and unexpected visit of god and can never be obtained by human industry but the effects that follow the ordinary exercise of contemplation are these three the first is wonder admiration and awe at beholding some manifestation however remote of the beauty power and sublimity of god in his divine attributes or in his divine goodness to his creatures in the presence of which the soul is humbled down in veneration and adoration the second effect is the infusion of heavenly sweetness that fills the soul with love and gratitude for the soul converses with that eternal wisdom of whom the scripture says her conversation hath no bitterness nor her company any tediousness but gladness and joy wisdom chapter eight verse sixteen the third effect is the revelation to the creature of her littleness and nothingness apart from god searched as with lamps the soul sees her defects and failings laid open to her eyes the light of the sun of justice penetrates the soul and the beauty of goodness enters the heart withering up the desires of earthly and carnal things and drawing those desires into aspirations towards the god of all beauty and goodness the soul that has been once illuminated with the light of contemplation though but for a short time can never forget it nor can ever be the same as before 
a higher and purer standard of good is implanted in the mind and in the conscience to turn to evil would be much more fearful and loathsome than before the rending of the conscience would be more terrible to abandon god after the light of his countenance had shone with sweetness and power on the soul would be a spiritual apostasy to which the words of st paul are but too applicable it is impossible that is to say very difficult for those who were once illuminated have tasted also the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the holy ghost have moreover tasted the good word of god and the powers of the world to come and are fallen away to be renewed again to penance hebrews chapter six verses four through six such falls after true contemplation must be rare indeed the causes are more numerous where a pretension to the gift is false a mere delusion of the imagination rather than a union of mind and heart with the divine light generating conceit in place of humility but true contemplation brings with it such a knowledge of god and of self generates so much charity and humility and inspires such a horror of sin that the soul is drawn ever closer to god and further from selfishness from this exposition of the several kinds of prayer three paramount instructions may be gathered first in every kind of prayer whether vocal meditative aspiratory or contemplative whilst the manner is different the spirit is the same all prayer has one final end that of our beatitude in god and all should be exercised in spirit and in truth secondly every kind of prayer leads to interior recollection according to each one's gift and disposition and when this recollection ascends to contemplation the summit of prayer is reached there is nothing between the soul and god but his own gifts it is a certain foreshadowing within the brevity of time of the eternal contemplation of god thirdly the greatest fruits of prayer are not visible in the time of prayer but only a certain light refreshment and consolation even this is often withheld for the correction or the probation or the discipline of the soul but the memory of that refreshment is a great encouragement in the time of trial the great reward of prayer is reserved for eternity and the generous soul will say give me now the thorns and keep the crown for eternity end of lecture ten part three